But first, as we do each and every Wednesday around about this time, we welcome to the microphone our very special COVID-19 reporter, Piers Cunningham, on the line. Good morning, Piers. Morning, Brendan. And as we go to air, Piers, as we were hearing in the news, looks like the Victorian government considering its options for lockdown four. What are you hearing? Well, I was actually hearing earlier today that um, as of midnight Thursday, Metro Victoria will ease to pretty much the same as regional Victoria, but with some more stringent rules, such as hospitality density quotients, uh, but the 25-kilometre rule to go. And that's notwithstanding the outbreak in South Bank. Well, that seems to be a little bit ominous, and I'm just wondering whether that's probably going to give them the ammunition to keep things as they are. But what are you thinking? Where's your money? Yeah, look, I I mean, we we do have a government that's... um, quite happy to lock things down and that's been our experience uh, contrasting with with other states that have had outbreaks which have been more targeted in their response Uh, but let's hope that that this time round there is more of a sort of groundswell of opinion I I just wonder whether they they would be, I mean there's going to be two issues one is their sort of political hides that they've got until the end of next year November for the next state election and they've got a strong uh, majority in the lower house anyway, so they're um, not going to be challenged for a while. But but also compliance becomes an issue. I think that if if you don't have people on board, if they sort of lose confidence in the measures that the government's taking, so you have a lockdown, but then you still have cases emerging, and then there's talk of another lockdown. Well, what happens to compliance? And, and I think that that does become an issue. And, and my sense, actually, with the most recent lockdown we've had over the last few weeks now is that there has actually been quite a bit less compliance. Indeed. I want to take up a couple of those issues as well with Dr Michael Carr-Gregg in just a moment, probably about the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to be speaking to him about the effects of this fourth lockdown and in particular the impact on some of the younger people in our community as well, apparently uh, seeing a big spike in presentation to his uh, to his clinic. We'll be talking mm-hmm. more about that. Um, just having a quick look then around the world, I mean, there, there, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, despite the fact uh, that we're here in sort of wrestling with lockdown number four. Uh, I've been reading in overnight that California, New York bringing off restrictions, so it looks like some sort of normalcy returning to some pockets in the United States, despite the fact that they've registered some 600,000 deaths in the last uh, couple of days. Mm, They've just passed that very sad milestone, Um, but certainly, you know, the benefits of mass vaccinations are being felt over there, and you know, let's let's hope that, that the same thing happens in Australia as we do ramp up our uh, number of vaccinations. So at the moment, total doses administered in Victoria uh, are nearly 1.8 million, 1.78 million doses with 25,000 in the last day. New South Wales is the next state with uh, in, in terms of the tally of, of vaccinations. Uh, now these. These are not necessarily complete vaccinations. These are these are uh, the first vaccination. I believe that the, the numbers for people who've had both vaccinations, uh, whether Pfizer or AstraZeneca, are actually much, much lower. And then there is also the issue that because so many people have been you know, lining up, uh, especially in light of the lockdowns and the outbreak in Victoria recently, uh, that, that the supply of second doses may be 
in doubt or maybe um, jeopardised by, you know, they're being, they're being reprioritised instead of being held over for people as a, sec- a guaranteed second dose to go with the first dose. dose. Um, it, 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 you know, they're, they're actually using, they're dipping into those second doses to supply people with first doses. Interest, so, interesting, isn't it? If, if supply is going to become a bit of an issue about those numbers, and I also see that Pfizer, it, it's also um, going to perhaps um, compromise as well the rollout in the UK at the moment. They too are trying to get their hands on Pfizer as well. Looks like it's going to slow their immunisation down, and they've done extremely well compared to many, many countries. The Brits have gone well. Yeah, that's right. That they've got that they did it very, very rapidly, and and again, it's it's had a, a noticeable marked impact on the number of people filling up their hospital beds and in ICU and that sort of thing. So, so definitely, vaccinations have have a positive impact. Don't forget also that the northern hemisphere is heading into, or is in summer, and and that seems to be the way. It's like a you know the common common winter flu season around the world. It happens in winter and then it, it wanes in summer. Now we're in winter, so we've, we're seeing an uptick in, in um, an outbreak in, in one of our coldest uh, capital cities, and they're going into summer. And I was reading that you know France is opening up. They're talking about you know opening the Eiffel Tower hasn't been open for years. They're talking about a lot of American tourists actually going to France for the traditional summer holidays, and they need it. They, you know, tourism is a very important industry for France and for Paris. So they're, they're opening up, partly driven by the seasonal factors, but also by the, the uh, mass vaccinations that have been going on there. Just on the subject of vaccinations, I thought I'd mention Novavax, which is kind of the third vaccine, uh, you know, if you think of the really the big three, if you like, AstraZeneca, Pfizer. Um, Novavax is the third. You get to get FDA approval, but it's got a lot of benefits and it seems to have efficacy against all different uh, strains of, of the virus. Uh, it also doesn't require the deep freezing, you know, minus 70 Celsius that Pfizer needs for storage. And, um, yeah, very effective, over 90%. Um, is administered in two, in two doses, I believe, and is, is awaiting FDA approval, but the, the, the trials and tests that have been going around the world are very promising. Arguably, it's the most promising vaccine around on the horizon at the moment. And of course, there is the Johnson and Johnson product as well, which I think is out there, but also having a couple of issues as well as uh, as they roll that out across the USA as well, Pierce. Um, just picking up on what we were talking about last week as well, Pierce. Not sure whether you saw it the news cycle going round, but we were talking about Wuhan and the possibility of some sort of leakage out of that lab seems to be go- growing some sort of uh, growing some legs in terms of discussion, at least when it was written off at one stage, but in a very rare and quite interesting uh, public statement, the head of that Wuhan lab, Dr. Shi Zheng Li, uh, refutes the lab leak theory this week. And I thought it was a very strange and very public pronouncement from a Chinese medical official. Usually you don't see that sort of stuff. So obviously the Chinese are very sensitive about this notion that maybe the virus did emanate from the Wuhan labs. Yeah, the G7 meeting they've had just recently, the leaders of the you know, seven biggest economies in the world, and Australia and a couple of other countries were included as kind of guest add-ons, including our Prime Minister in, in the UK for that meeting. They called on China to be much more forthright about the you know, what they know about the origins of the virus. And it, 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 also vocal in that respect is the head of the WHO, 
WHO, which has been criticised as being a, sort of a bit in the pocket of the Chinese, that the head of the, uh, the WHO, World Health Organisation, came out recently and, and called on China to do the same as the G7R, which is to be much more forthright about uh, allowing information to be shared and uh, access to you know, foreign independent scientists. Interesting days, Piers. Okay, so we're going to be watching this space. Uh, we don't quite know where the Victorian government is going to go at this stage. There probably is uh, a lot of pressure on them to loosen things up a little bit. But as you said, this outbreak around South Bank could be putting some more pressure back on. Yeah, that's right. So there is, the, you know, the suggestion that uh, it could be the close contacts of people in that apartment block in South Bank. They, you know, they reckon that it's happened in the same way as a quarantine hotel can spread the virus. So, in the common areas, the foyers and and areas between different apartments that people share in that in that building, and then there's also their close contacts and visitors and, and tradespeople and so on who may have visited that site as well. They've yet to be tracked down. So, and and then how long have they been? If they are contagious or if they are affected by it, infected. Um, you know, how long have they been out spreading it in the wild? So there's, you know, some quite big question marks. And as you mentioned in the, in the opening, uh, it, may, it may cause the government to, be, uh, to delay relaxing uh, the, the restrictions that Melbourne's living under. Perhaps they can be more targeted. Perhaps they can sort of say, OK, well, uh, we're going we're gonna to shut down just, uh, you know, a targeted area. But then that's hard if, if you've got close contacts from all over the place visiting South Melbourne. I just thought I'd mention um, that we do have a, an odd set of, of rules in Victoria at the moment. This is a meme that's going around on social media, and a lot of these are sort of rubbish, but this one I think is actually quite fact, factual. And it says that only in Victoria can you go to a bottle shop, buy booze, then walk into a government-run injecting facility, shoot up and finish up in a brothel, whilst at the same time being forbidden from visiting your friends and families or going to the gym. Yes, it uh, makes an interesting point, doesn't it? And I see that on social media locally as well, a lot of the gym owners really concerned about the fact that they've had to shut their businesses down and they also very uh, wondering about uh, why they have been targeted in this way as well. When, as you say, um, there's some interesting uh, restrictions in place and some people can obviously squeeze through the cracks. Like saying, well, it's, you can't have anyone to visit your house. You can't have a couple of friends, or even a you know a bubble, which has been an arrangement we've had, where you can sort of bubble up with one family or with a you know a, a group, a small group of friends, and, and keep it only to them. Um, so you're kind of being encouraged by the restrictions to actually go to a restaurant, which can have a higher number. I think it's up to fifty to be able to see your family or your friends, rather than in your house with smaller numbers. So in a way, you're, you're you're kind of being prompted to take a higher risk going to a restaurant than being able to see your family and friends in your house. And so the question is, Pierce, where's the logic in all that? Exactly. You, you tell me, Brendan. Where is... I, 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 I think that's a very, very good question, and I think that this government has some serious questions to answer, and this is not the first time these sort of questions have been raised. Also, interestingly, our uh, long-silent uh, Premier... Has been um, has been hitting the airwaves and uh, well via Twitter, uh, saying that he's going to be back in action by the end of June, and that his recovery is going well. Photos of him with his trademark new, uh, North Face shirt on, uh, and um, he he was saying that um, if you can, you must, 
was his quote from his tweet. And I thought that, you know, he's referring to the vaccinations. And while I am a supporter of, of mass vaccination programs, I think having a Premier in Victoria saying that, that Victorians must do anything is really quite unusual and out of character of the, uh, you know, liberal democracy that we supposedly live in. Well, indeed, as you say, the timing would be very interesting for Dan Andrews because he can come back and shoulder some of this responsibility and perhaps get on the front foot as well. We've missed him a great deal, of course, over the last X number of months or whatever it is. As we were commenting last time, I'm just extraordinarily surprised that there hasn't been some sort of a... I don't know, some sort of a presentation to the public from his hospital bed encouraging us all in these very difficult and dark days in lockdown phase four to come out and do something about it rather than uh, re- you know resorting to social media and tweeting and stuff. I honestly mm. thought that given his uh, PR machine, that is Dan Andrews, he would have been on the front foot and addressing us all from at least his hospital bed or the casualty unit or wherever he's been. You know, it's just extraordinary. But never mind, he will be back and I'm sure he will be taking full control later on this month when he gets back to Spring Street. Um, Piers Cunningham, love your work. Thank you very much indeed for being there, Piers. We're going to be actually talking to Dr. Michael Carr-Gregg in just a little while as well. It'll be interesting to see what he says. Uh, he's very, very concerned about the impact of uh, lockdown four on us and our mental health as well. He's quite worried. We'll be uh, tapping into him in just a moment. We'll be uh, perhaps uh, talking to you again same time next week, if we could, Piers. Yeah, that should be fine. Thanks, Brendan. It's always a pleasure. And um uh, and mental health is, is definitely an issue that was something highlighted by the COVID Doctors Network last year. Various specialists banded together and wrote open letters to government about the uh, detrimental uh, detrimental effects of lockdown, that the lockdowns are actually worse than the virus. And uh, not to mention the effect on businesses, gyms included. Indeed. Piers Cunningham, thank you very much indeed. This is RPPFM. This is Peninsula Talks across the Mornington Peninsula on 98.7 and 98. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.